This is an easy one to name. Christ is all. We're still in Colossians, so today, uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, 9 through 15. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Colossians, take a look there, or your device. Colossians 3, 9 to 15. And we are going to take a little time uh, looking in at this, but let's start with Christ is all. Colossians 3.11, that's where that phrase is found. And that helps. We know the, the um, idea of, of Jesus and Christmas, and he was born to Mary in Bethlehem, and, and um, all the excitement that surrounds the eight-and-a-half-pound baby and all the things that go into that moment. But this doesn't say Jesus is all. Same person, but there's an emphasis in the title. This isn't a proper name. This is the title. Uh, in Hebrew, Hamashiach, uh, Christus, uh, Christ here. And we are looking at a, a being so incredible. He is the beginning. He has always been. He is the end, the omega. He is the one who created, who had vision for what this world could be, what people could be. He wanted to have a family, a physical family, a mortal family, a different kind of family than the celestials. They already had the divine beings. They they existed in heaven with him. And he decided, I want to do this. It was... And it's triune God, so there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit involved in this. But we are told that he was there in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and, and the Word was there creating at the beginning. And the Word is Jesus. The Word is Christ. And that Christ promise from the Hebrew Scriptures is that there would be one who would come to deliver one who would deal with sin, that one that would deal with the nations. And the nations have turned their back on God. They rebelled. That was our, our early issue. That's why God chooses uh, Abraham and then begins a new nation built around him to have one family on earth that at least pays attention to him, or at least he could bless and give direction to. And they're struggling just like everybody else, but they are picked for that, for that purpose and they are given a clue as to a, a figure, one who would come, one who is like Moses, one who uh, is like God, who is the son of man from Daniel. This is, this is amazing in this individual. And when we have a statement like this found in Colossians, that Christ is all, he is summing up not... Oh, that's that's the guy from Christ, from Christmas, and now this is this is life changing. This is a person who has been prophesied over and over, communicated from God that this one was coming, and he does in the way that he said, and that he has to accomplish certain things. That there are certain things that he's going to do. He did that in his life. Now we are talking about he's he's died, he's risen from the dead, he's overcome death. 
Remember, that kind of happened with, with Egypt and the painting of the blood on the door faces uh, to let the people of Israel be protected from the death angel. So death was overcome then and the gods of death. Now Jesus overcomes death. And this is a huge deal. You notice that most of the people who go to the cemetery and are left in the ground there do not come back, except in movies. And they're zombies and all kinds of things. But in reality, they stay there because death has a hold on human beings like everything else that dies. And God has sent Jesus to beat death. So we have someone who has, has risen from the dead, then been seated at the right hand of the Father on high next to the throne. So there's dual power happening in the heavens. He has all authority in heaven and earth, Matthew 28. That Christ, that's the one who is all. Because it's his plan, his direction, his desire to bring people in, his love, his willingness to sacrifice himself on our behalf. All of that, this is Christ. This is one of the earliest images, by the way, of, of Christ and that, that we have access to. So I just thought that'd be kind of fun to have, you know, what they think back in the day. And you go, huh, doesn't look like the blue-eyed ones we get in the movies. So this is, yeah, an idea of what Christ, what those early ideas about Christ were. But he is all, and he has all authority. So governments, finances, economies, morals, all of those things that people are in, just are part of life. He, he is all. There are other gods, demons. There are other forces, spiritual forces. Christ is all. He is central to accomplishing all these things that God has in mind, and we get to be part of it. But I want to remind you of that before we get into this section, and and then let's see where he's going to take us, because it's easy to be so caught up in this world, our own feelings, that we miss it. So Christ is all, and, and we're to change to new, and this is Colossians 3 verses 9 to 10. Here he says, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Put on your new nature, be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. These kids have been in the mud and they had fun. You know those kids. Maybe you were those kids. I wasn't, but other people were. And there they are just, you know, they're, they're, they're happy as they can be. And mom's thinking, yeah, i got to hose you down, and we've got to change some clothes before you come in the house. So we've got to change to new. What's weird and uh, for human beings and, and Christians included in this whole statement is we like holding on to the mud. We just want to wander around in the house, sit on the new couch with the mud. The whole idea of changing seems like that's just too hard. That makes me anxious. It, it, it just puts too much pressure. It's stressful. I might have to change. 
And, and you're looking at these kids and you go, come on, big deal, hose them down, change them, get, put some clean clothes on, you move on. That's exactly how God sees us. Just change your darn muddy clothes. Get rid of this stuff. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And that's one of those places where we have a little stickler because, as we know, in our own minds, we have no wicked deeds. We've pretty much got this together. It's the other people who have problems, but not us. And God Almighty saying, oh, wait a minute. It's time to change those clothes. It's time to get rid of those stuff. It's time to move forward and live as I have designed for you and prepared life for you. Change to the new. Don't lie to each other. So we're going to put... Uh, th- and remember, these these words are written to the Christians in Colossae. These are people who are... They are standing against the tide. Their culture is so tied up in old Greek, uh, the old Greek religions, the Roman religions, Hittite, if you back it up even further. These are the gods that have been in that area thousands of years. So they, they are caught in the middle of that. Then this Christian thing comes along. And they have to stand up to it. And Paul is writing them a letter, recognizing they are believers in, the, in Jesus Christ. They are new in him. They have life, a whole brand new life in him. He's acknowledging that. He's not down on them for that. He's excited for them. But he also knows they, there are struggles. And this is part of it. Lying to each other. He says, you don't have to do that anymore. So who are they lying to? It's the other believers. It's the other people in church. It's the, yeah, I'm doing fine. I don't have any problems. I got it all together. And he's saying, just don't lie. Strip off the other stuff, the sinful nature, it's wicked deeds. You know, you just don't need that anymore. You got, you got new stuff. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator. The God in heaven who has put all things together is you can get to know him you can get to know the one who designed all of these things the grass in the field the flowers that are uh, blossoming you can know the one who put the blue sky above your head you can get to know the creator and he's the one who designed you designed your body your mind how you interact with other people he's, he's put together this whole dynamic and he is asking you to come along, get to know him, become like him, which is way different than the gods they knew, the culture they were living in, and it's the same for us. We have to get rid of the old stuff. We can get to know the creator. We can get to know the truth about what he is doing, what he has done, what he has placed here, and we can be different. We can get rid of the old stuff. It's an amazing thing. So we're changed to the new. In this grouping of these believers, there's a change, and, and this is from exclusion to inclusion, verses, uh, or just verse 11 here in Colossians 3. In this new life, he's still saying, we, you know, we're going to handle this differently. It doesn't matter if you are a Jew 
or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. All the believers, Christ is living in us. The Holy Spirit is living in us. There there is a dynamic. We have our breath from God. That's why we are alive. That life in us comes from God himself. You take that out. I don't care how many times the hospital shocks you. You do not come back. It's from him. He's the one. And this is him. I mean, this is, he lives in all of us. And that's a spiritual change, a spiritual reality that he comes in and offers us something, a new way of thinking, a new way of operating. And we don't have to be the same way we were. What he is addressing here in this new life is you get rid of, rid of all these divisions. These are divisions that have kept people from each other. We have our own list of divisions today. I mean, people come up with them all the time. But these are the social ones, a Jew or a Gentile, so those who are following Yahweh or those who are following all the other gods, the circumcised or uncircumcised. Again, that's the Jewish group versus the non-Jewish group. Barbaric, and these are, these are the ones who are non-Greek-speaking on the edges of the Roman Empire. And they are speaking a different language. And because for the people who spoke Greek or Latin or the familiar languages of the time, anybody speaking something different, we're saying things like bar, 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 which is where the barbaric word came from. They go, well, that's weird. But what do we do with Chinese? You go, well, you know, you just come up with this other sound that's what it sounds like to us. So any of the barbaric ones on the edge... The uncivilized, the ones who don't know the rules. They don't know what the rules are in, uh, in society. They don't, they don't know what the rules are when you sit down to eat. They don't know what the rules are. All of that gets lost. So the uncivilized, the slave, that was a third of the people, or free. And all of these people are in the church. They come from all of these different backgrounds. And as Paul is addressing them, he says it doesn't matter where they're from or what social level standing, it's Christ. They've come to Christ, that's what matters. Does that mean that everybody accepts everybody and all your immorality and you can bring all your junk in and it's all okay? didn't say that. Christ is all that matters. What brings us together around the world as those who are God's people, is that Christ is central. And we can have variety, we can have cultural differences, we can eat different foods. Are we supposed to support immorality and, and uh, justify murder? And no, no, those things are not part of Christ. He's trying to explain that. Don't even lie to each other. You're supposed to be putting on this, this new life. So this whole thing in Christ is we are brought together in and around him even though we have a variety of languages and a variety of ways of living life and we find out how we can best live together in unity. But it's unified in and around him, not getting rid of, rid of uh, um, different, different uniquenesses that may come with wherever our culture happens to be from. 
So he said, it doesn't matter if you're one of these Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is what matters, and he lives in all of us. So it's bringing us all together in and around him. So everything in this, all that he's talking about, centers on Christ and how we respond to him. Onward, verse 12. So holy people, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with... And there's a list. Isn't that crazy? Tender-hearted mercy. Wow. Kindness. Humility. Gentleness. Patience. Here's the bummer. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, that's from him. He loves you. He chooses you. And then the responsibility flips. See, see why that's a bummer? You, now you, you got to actually do this. Tender-hearted mercy. Well, you don't know how they treated me. They looked at me funny. The dude's got a bad eye. Can't, that one doesn't move. Anyway, tender-hearted mercy. You go, well, I can't, I can't, yeah. I just can't deal with it anymore. Tender-hearted mercy. Huh. Kindness. Well, God, I'm just pray for me that I'll be kind. That's not what this says. This says you. Person who has been loved by God, forgiven by God, brought into the family of faith. You are responsible for you. Clothe yourself, to put this on, to practice it, to actually do this. Tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I ain't got no more patience. I'm just ticked. Uh-huh. You're supposed to be putting on the new nature, renewed in Christ, so that that stuff goes away, aren't you? So why is it we justify ourselves and hold on to those things? Oh, it gets interesting. Imagine the relationships among people if we actually put these things on, not expecting them to do it. We do it. And then verse 13. See, it just gets worse. I'm just telling you. Forgive. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. You go, nope. I ain't got room for that. I don't have patience for that. And he says, you're supposed to be a new person. Make allowance for each other's faults. I looked up self-love and self-care on the internet, which is the answer for all things. And the list of things that are there include things like, well, forgive yourself, accept yourself, um, make sure that, that you are taken care of first, and so I just, 
I just want to point that out because it is 180 degrees different from what Scripture says. Make allowance for each other's faults. And the self-care movement says, <laughs> make allowance for your faults. And accept yourself. Love yourself. Does that make you a better person? Makes you self-centered. Exalt self. You've got to look out for all your own stuff. You've got to have another weekend to re- retreat. You've got to have somebody pat you on the head for everything that you do. And, and no matter how many mistakes you make, and these aren't just mistakes, these are just being cruel to other people, the lack of tender-hearted mercy, kindness, gem- humility, gentleness, and patience, and you go, but I've got to forgive myself. I've got to be accepting of myself. And, and those people have done me wrong. And I have a right, I have a right to lash out, to be angry, to be bummed, to need another week off so I can... You know, pamper myself to get over it. Opposite of what God, the Almighty Christ, who is all, is trying to do in our lives. And he's pointing it out because the thing that makes a difference, if we want real self-care, if we want real self-love, if we want to experience real fullness in life, it comes from going his way which is making allowance for others. That just doesn't work for me. God knows if we do that, our hearts will be healed. The direction of our lives will change. Instead of being embittered all the time, collapsing under anxiety, ripping at other people, Always looking at the downside. He's going to turn that around. Say, I've got something different for you. You do it this way. Who saves his own soul? If he gets the whole world, who saves his own soul? Nah, it doesn't work like that. It's not about us getting. It's not about us patting ourselves on the head. It's not about self. this kind of self-care. There's a place for that, but that's different. It fits into this image And Christ is looking out for us. He's looking out for his people. He's looking out for the best way for you individually and the people around you in the church, because this is a church setting. He's not talking, oh, in general, you need to... He's not saying that. This is in a church, the people gathered together. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And you know what the normal response to somebody offends you. I mean, it can just be somebody in the line at Walmart, and you are so offended. And you have a right to be upset all day. Spend half the night tossing and turning because you've been offended. And somebody at church does something, says something, doesn't say something, doesn't acknowledge your cool look, whatever it is. And you go, huh, I need to be offended. Because that's our tendency as human beings is to be offended and to live it and to be livid about it. And he says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another. And remember, the Lord forgave you. And that's what we forget. Christ is all. Who he is, what he has done, that's what makes a difference. It's not us, it's not our opinion. It's, well, it's the way I growed up. 
I don't care how you growed up. This is about Christ. Christ is all. Christ is all. Christ is all. Don't lose it. He is doing something amazing. He moves on in verse 14. This is the love one. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So this whole thing of really being committed to the people around you, and this is the people in the church, people uh, who have Christ in their lives, love them, be committed to them, care about them, and forgive them because you know, everybody's going to mess up, so there's faults and things that, that are going to happen. But we move past that, and we believe in this love that God has given us because he's, he's poured out his love upon us we can experience that and clothe ourselves with love. You imagine not the muddy clothes, not, not the, the clothes that we worked in for two or three weeks, but clothes that are love. Just imagine the fragrance, the feel, what that's like when you come into contact with another person and that love is just emanating from this new clothing that is looking out for the good of another. It's looking out to see what, what you can pour into them, how you can lift them up. This is the opposite of, hey, I need self-love. You know, I'm just looking out for me, and, 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 and you said something that offends me, you said something that, that aggravates me, and you haven't given me all the stuff I want, and therefore... and. and He's just approaching that God forgave you, God loves you. Out of that, because you are now in this new life because of him, you get to put on love rather than hatred. You get to put on patience rather than being short with everybody you come in contact with. You get to have a new life. Jesus just walking around like that impressed people. They're just... Who is this guy? They even nailed him to a cross. He never yelled at them. They're beating him. He never yelled at them. What would you do? They're taking him to court. They're lying about him. He never yelled at them. He gets on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. Who does that? And he said, you can be like me. You can be like me. Get to know the creator. Put on love. Live in such a way that love just emanates from the things you do, the things you say, your approach to life, your approach to other people. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Does that mean we're all going to like the same music? Probably not. But we can accept the other person's likes, and the idea is they accept ours, and then we're all in this together with Christ who has called us into this life, this new life, in a whole new way. 
is amazing. So when Christ is all in all, when Christ is all in all, truth matters and lies are evidence of harboring darkness. So truth needs to be uh, shared among those, among God's people, that reality. And it, it needs to be things that are going to build people up because we're accepting that they have uh, faults and there are things to forgive. And you go, okay, Do, is that what needs to be brought out all the time? No, he says don't lie to each other. So don't come up with other things, falsehoods. If you remember in Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira decided, I'm gonna lie, or we're going to lie to the church about how much money we're giving. Well, that's, and they both died as they came to the church to give the money, so that didn't go over well. But the idea is don't, no. In, in this fellowship, in this group of people, we tell the truth. They, and, and they point out, they didn't have to give the money. They just said that they were giving all the money, and they weren't. They lied. So what is it in us that drives us to do things like that? We want to be accepted. We want people to see us. We want to be up front. We want, we want all the applause. And you go, and he's just saying, don't. Just don't. Put on love. Look out for each other. Tell the truth. Truth matters, and lies are evidence of harboring darkness. That inside part that says, I still need the applause. I'm used to doing this because this is the world, the evil, dark world that I've that I'm used to. I'm used to listening to... I am more familiar with the sound of evil spirits guiding me than I am the Holy Spirit speaking into my life. And I'm telling you that because there's a supernatural world and as uh, Western American Christians, we just blow that off and miss it. And yet he's, he's saying, well, I got something better for you. You don't have to listen to that anymore. Uh, it's harboring darkness. Community in Christ without engineered divisions brings light. We're centered in Christ. So we're, we're getting away from all of these other things that come up. Like this whole, uh, we've got the Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, free. You know, we put all of that in there and go, well, see, you're in a different place in society. You live on the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, you just come up with all the things that we've come up with as humans. What, and that's what it was in, Colossia, in Colossae, but for us, yeah, it would be a different list. And he's saying, we don't need it. We, just, we don't need that. Community in Christ, without engineered divisions, brings light. and allows us to know him better, to know our creator better, to exude his truth, his love, the reality of, the, of Christ, because Christ is all. Christ-like character, Christ-like character qualities illuminate the good and cause the enemy to hide in the shadows. Christ-like character qualities illuminate the good and cause the enemy to hide in the shadows. The enemy wants to take us down. He wants to divide us. He wants us to question God to turn our backs on him to go do our own thing because you know some of these things I've just read to you are that's just too hard I can't do that I can't be patient there are people I just I'm not going to be patient with you don't know what they've done to me well God does and he says be patient well again bummer Christ-like character 
That's what we're supposed to be taking on. So as we live that out, we put on love. We're, we're practicing kindness and humility and gentleness with other people. That, that is going to uh, show up in such a way that the enemy, the evil spirits, the devil himself, uh-uh. That's, that's not their thing. They're going to try to trip us up. They want to take us down, but they're going to hide. So shine. We're supposed to be shining the light. So that's part of it. We take on the character, the qualities of Jesus, Christ-like character qualities, and then that light forces the enemy into the darkness where he belongs. Practicing love confuses demons and worldly people and enhances relationships. Practicing love confuses demons and worldly people and enhances relationships. That is such, it's, it's coming from such a different place. And this is God's kind of love, not just love as I've known it, you know, the thing that made me happy when I was a kid, or I loved that kitten, or I loved chocolate cake, or I love, you know, we're, we're talking about the love of God alive in us because he's loved us and he's changing our way of thinking and, and reacting and connecting with other people. And that will build relationships. It will build relationships deep. It will change the way we interact with other other people. Because we can allow for other people's faults. We can forgive. We're looking, how can we build you up? And uh, the tendency is, how can I tear you down and get get even and, and being impatient? And we have words and we have gestures and all kinds of things to let people know uh, how that works. Wouldn't it be awesome if we let those things go and we move into this new way of living that would reflect Christ in our character, in our mentality, in our words, our behaviors? Practicing love confuses demons, which is, I think is cool. I think we should confuse them as much as we can. And worldly people are listening to the demons because that's, that's where they got their input. So you love them the way Jesus did, and they just don't know what to do with this. I mean, this is really a remarkable thing. It enhances relationships. But within the church, all of this, if everybody's doing this, just imagine the light coming out of that building with those people all gathered together and running the demons and the evil entities into the corners. It's amazing. So change, don't lie to one another. You stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Christ is all. We come to him. We grow in him. We become Christ-like in our interactions, in our way of thinking. He'll heal us from the inside out. If we're struggling, we give him a chance. It's amazing. Christ is all. Colossians chapter 3. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for... Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he has done. Thank you for sending him. You knew we needed him from the beginning. And uh, you had this in mind. And we appreciate it. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to listen to what you said. To the words written. Lord, uh, to the Spirit speaking, to the power that you've given us, 
with Jesus in us all. And I pray, Lord, that we would take on Christ-like character and that we would emanate his light in this world, in our relationships, in this church, in whatever we are doing. In Jesus' name, amen.